You're listening to Kraken Fancast. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans. By Seattle Kraken fans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'm here with my colleague, Jim Cockrell, and we're here for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk. Uh, before we start, I want to say big thanks to our sponsor, the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. If you're not going to the Kraken game, catch the game at the Angry Beaver. All right, folks. Well, we've got uh, three games to look back at. Um, we're recording this just before the San Jose game, which we'll talk about our next episode in a few days. But uh, hey, some good ones. I mean, even though, you know, we talk about how the team just seems to be okay or whatever, or they're kind of a bubble team. They seem to be a little disappointing. Hey, we got to admit, they picked up some points in these last three games. Uh, November 16, uh, Kraken uh, defeated the Islanders four to three. Uh, late in, late in the process, in the days coming up, I had a, a change of uh, some work plans. I had to be out of town. But Jim, you went to that game. A rare shootout victory you got to see. Um, and and your daughter got a puck. What was going on on there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this was on my ticket uh, docket. Uh, thanks to you with an extra ticket as well. Uh, so I took my my youngest daughter, Shan, and, you know, of my two daughters, she's the lesser of the hockey fan, but she still loves going. Um, she's totally over the top with the in-house entertainment, how it just it stimulates your mind. Anyway, what a great kind of game the whole way. Green card game throughout the whole process. There was only one weakness, and that was the PK. Uh, we were two for five on that. Um Four to three victory, eight round shootout, which was crazy. But I'll get to that in just a bit. But Maddie started to get hot with a number two goal there. In fact, the whole first line is back together now and and starting to gel again. Um, beautiful wrister, uh, and then Winnie hot streak kind of too. You know, he's quietly doing it ever that was since his second that, goal too, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was ever since his the uh, uh the Sunday meeting after the Oilers loss, I believe it was, when Haxel blew up at, at center ice at practice and uh it's doc well documented. And ever since then, when he's been shooting the puck, man, it's been great. And then Yamamoto's breakout game for the year. You know, a lot of people like the kid. I love the kid, but I really it was almost as like that game was his Seattle coming out just like, all right, here's our home kind of local boy, Spokane, WHL, the whole nine American born. And a lot of people just took him for heart. And that was a great game. Um, you know, that was, a, that was three, three power play goals, I believe in that. And game. Yamamoto, that, that was the tying goal. So that he's the one yeah. who sent it into overtime. Yeah. It was a nice little patience move right on, right on the paint, little backhand forehand type deal. Uh, and Tied it up. People went nuts. And then we went to uh, a shootout and eight rounds. I was there. It was uh, it was quite something, though, because, you know, I've been to a couple of them, but never many that many rounds, usually, obviously. And uh, it was great because any time, you know, the the Islanders players would come down, the crowd would be absolutely boisterous, booing him booing the players and then as soon as the save was made by group i was an instant turn around the other way to a cheers and it was just um back and forth you know vibrato is so cool uh and yeah that, that, that was one of those games where like all right i'm I'm going to the hot spot and i'm going to get myself a fish type of deal but also my daughter did get a puck in warm-ups without even trying from pajot 
we happen to go down to the New York Islanders end because I I like watching the visiting end for the most part because you don't get to see these guys roll through town. And of course, um, Barzell, you know, with Seattle T-Birds and all. And we were just down on the glass kind of by a photo slider. And we weren't even paying attention and tap, tap, tap on the glass. And we look up and Pajo's already got a puck on his stick like, here, you want it? And I'm like, wow, she didn't even try for it. It was fantastic. Um, good game. We outshot him pretty good, 32-23, which was nice, 50% on the faceoff. Power play was three for four. That's outstanding. Uh, PK, yeah. like I said, was, was a little weak on that PK, 2-5. Um, there was a lot of block shot, too. So they were laying it all out for Groovy. And Groovy's numbers were enough to win. It's, you know, 20 or 23 shots in an 870. That's all it needed. So, yeah, that was a killer game. Very enjoyable. Very uh, boisterous crowd. Oh, that's great. I wish I could have been there, but uh, saw, saw snippets of it uh, on TV, and uh, I knew you were ha having a good time at that one. So that's great. So that was nice. So that was, uh, you know, coming back from an overtime loss. This is kind of bizarre, as, as we'll get into it. It's like this four to three games, like four in a row, which I'll, I'll, I'll get to in a moment here. But, uh, you know, they'd lost four to three in overtime, the Oilers the night before. So coming back against the Islanders, that was really nice to see day off and then uh heading up to vancouver uh against a very good vancouver canucks team a canucks team then we'll talk a little bit with our buddy paul brownlow you know uh kind of a surprise for a lot of people uh or maybe they shouldn't be i don't know we'll get into that in a little bit but you know uh kraken have had you know not, i i don't have in front of me what their record against vancouver is but you know lifetime it's not great uh, and this Canucks team is doing really well, but you know, maybe we caught them uh, on a time where they were a little tired out four to three, another great game. Uh, you know, it was a very even game. I mean, total shots 26 to 24 in favor of the Kraken. And, and uh, but this is one of those games, Jim, we talk about like it feels like the Kraken are more in control in their head and we should feel good, right? But I'm still nervous, and we, we had good reason to be nervous those last few minutes. Absolutely. Uh, this is a green game. This is a beauty game. You and I were talking leading up and Nathan about how big this game is going to be. You were curious about the record. I've got the record for you. We are three and five against them. So we have won the last three straight. So we dropped the first five against these guys in, you know, franchise history. Um, huge game. Uh, one people that really popped out in this game, this was probably Alexiak's best game I've seen all season. He had that first goal. Um, and he was towards the end, a blocking shot king. Uh, in fact, him pairing with Borgen have been outstanding on shot blocking recently. And that had me looking up statistics on, you know, Ole and um, Larson are like five and 12 in the entire league on block shots, which is pretty darn impressive. Um, Ebb's got his finally got his second goal on a mystery tip, as we say, because it's so hard to judge what's a high stick and what's not, you know, because it's where it hits the stick. It's not where the tip of your blade is if it's not hitting that. Um, I had no problem with it, but they sure reviewed it for a long time. Um, then Gord got on the board with a beautiful pass from Borgen going deep and low. And then Matty got his three, which says, yep, I'm a little bit hot right now. He's coming a little bit. So that's good to see. Like I said, that first line is getting going again. Um, the, the one, you know, goalie pulled and the, the Hoglander goal. And that was tough. What was there? Six seconds left or something like that. It was, Five, probably, it was, 19, it was at 1949. Oh. So near the end there, just enough for us to have our yeah. road. A yeah. Little bit there. <laughs> that was tough. Uh, but 
I still felt a little bit confident, but like you've said, you know, two goal lead is the most dangerous lead in hockey, but with the Kraken, it's ultra dangerous hockey lead. You almost feel three's not even safe. I don't know. Um, really even game. The hitting game was super heavy. It was uh, Canucks out hit us like 33, 29. It was a very physical game. Um, another lot of, like I said, good block shots and everything. First line finally gelling again. I mean, they really, when you break it down, haven't gelled the entire year. They've had individual stats like McCann and what have you. And then the injuries that set the lines apart and the breakup of lines, but they're back on it. Um, grew had a decent night, 21 for 24, even though his, uh, his percentage is only 875. He's winning games. So another good game. I mean, and like you said, we're like, we were talking, it just, we're getting points here, but it doesn't feel like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. And then, you know, the next game, they come back home against another division opponent. So lots of important divisional games all in a row here. Calgary Flames come to town. And uh, both both of us, you know, you and I were both at that game. Um, looked like a great game. And even though, you know, it was, uh, you know, two, two Cal- you know, Calgary was up two to one uh, after the first period. It felt like, you know, Kraken were, at least in that part, you know, they were they were controlling things. I mean, they, they at the first two periods, they were up uh, 27 to 13 on the shots on goal. And after the second period, it, that showed, they get, you know, Eberle, McCann, uh, well, Vince Dunn got the first goal earlier, and then Eberle and McCann. And so they seemed like they were in the driver's seat. And then... <laughs> And then until they weren't. Uh, also, we'll talk a little bit about Groob was in, but uh, he had to come out in earlier in the game. So we saw Joey Decord a little bit later on. And Joey, Joey did, did fine. He saw a lot of shots in that third period. You know, the third period, all of a sudden, Flames came roaring back. And where we like, you know, this is another of these games where the Kraken seem like they've got two good periods in them, but not a third. Uh, a little scary there. And, of course, you know, Flames... Um, Magiapane uh, uh, got got that uh, tying goal at fifteen fifty three. So near near the end of the game there, and uh, hence we go into overtime, and then Anderson uh, with the overtime uh, uh, wrister like three three twenty eight into the overtime. It's like dang it, you know, it just felt like a game they had in their hands and let it slip away. Yeah, this was. Um... First of all, heading into this, I, I was looking up some data on stuff, and you know, I was blown away. Well, I wasn't. I knew we struggled with the Flames history-wise, and going in, we were one seven and zero. And I'm like, how does that even happen? Because in our three-year franchise, to me, Calgary's been kind of an average team, you know, like us in the last two years or whatever. Um, so it, it was a bummer right out of the box. They scored, you know, Lindholm scored at minute 16 and it was like visions of year one. And I'm like, Oh my God. I looked. by the way, Chris was, I was sitting in a section two away from Chris and I looked over at him. We both kind of did the typical, Oh my God, what's going on here? God, what is that? <laughs> oh, no. Um, but then, you know, decent response with the done slapper untouched, um, you know, no, a little bit of a screen maybe, but, um, and then Huberto comes, answers back with a PP, uh, second period was totally uh, one thing I noticed out of the flames that we were really struggling with is their transition game was super quick and we couldn't defend against it. And their zone entry was, was unbelievable. I, it seemed like we weren't even trying. It was just strange to me. So they had us figured out there. Second period, we rebound, like you said, Ebbs, um, you know, and Mc, Mc, McCann getting back on board. So him and McCann and, uh, Schwartz are leading the team with eight goals apiece, which is pretty impressive for this. 
Um, but that was up that massive blast from Larson. And it initially looked like it hit him in the rib cage or something, but it, it, it actually hit him in the stick, you know, but that, that thing was coming hot and heavy. Um, and then of course, you know, like you said, Mangy's uh, Tyler response goal. Um, and then the, the whole overtime thing, which was back in front of me, cause I moved down to section 17 to hang with some friends or I mean, uh, section 11 to hang with him. So I saw it right in front of me and it, I tell you that, you know, Joey played well, 22 or 24, 917 on the night. He did overcook a little overcommit on that when it's overslid. And so he couldn't get back to that, but he did get back to that. So did uh, Larson, I believe, to make this initial stop. But of course, the juicy rebound came out and boom. Um, but that, you know what? You have a puck playing goaltender, which is Joey. That's some of the payoff or that's, you know, some of the trade-off you're going to get caught at times is you're a little bit out of your crease oversliding, whatever. I'm not going to blame it at all on him, but some people are freaking out. You know, I said, he did, he, he overcooked it a bit, but um, the, he went right back working on it. I was seeing something on yes. Twitter that the first thing in this morning, he's working on, uh, on wraparounds. He's having yep. to do all these wraparound. Uh, exactly. I saw that too. And I thought, there you go. See, I mean, it's, it was noticeable to the coaches, obviously it doesn't matter. Um, he kept us in the game and a lot of other good stuff. You know, I want to also bring up on this game. Uh, well, let me finish out these stats here. Um, you know, the grew being pulled, like you said, and nobody really knew being in the building, but it turns out later that yes, an injured report or reported injury that happened on a couple consecutive plays, but we didn't really know it. Um, Faceoffs was beautiful at 54%, and Dunn and Larson were playing pretty darn well throughout the night. They, that's about the only bright spots. One thing I want to say, though, is the rumor, well, not the rumor, but the scuttlebutt going around, and the, I've been saying this too, you know, we, we, we're we kind of a soft response team to players getting moved, bumped bumped around and, and injured. And, we, you know, people are talking about it, the McCann stuff, the, going back to last year with Maddie. Uh, and the Canucks and all this stuff. And, you know, there's four bodies on this team. Uh, I said earlier tonight, uh, post like 3.5 bodies, but there's four bodies on this team that can do damage on people if they have to, just to, you know, set the tone uh, after stuff. And I'm, we're not really seeing it. We need to. I thought for sure they were going to give Manji a, some, a bad time last night because of what happened with the, the neck crunch and the cross check on the ice from the game before. But there's no been no response anywhere. There was never really a decent response on um, on Baneer's situation from last year. There's been some attempts, but they've been pretty feeble, to be honest with you. Um, I, and it must be a short short string, short rope from Haxel. It's got to be because there's no reason they they can't just you know take a little note of what's going on here because the, the league knows it. These look teams aren't dumb; they know this stuff. So I'd like to see that step up because there's four bodies that need to step up on this kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, that's the end of that game. It was a very frustrating game because we did have the second period, but you know, you see it, I see it. I'm sitting with my new partners in the, in the seats and we said, it just doesn't feel right. That third period felt like it's just a matter of time before they get one. It's tied. And then we go to OT and we all hate OT and that's what it was. And well, that's why the, the shootout win or some of these overtime wins are such a thrill. Yeah. We don't have so much enough confidence because of somehow some of the other games have gone and uh, or or we've seen games the other way around. I'm I'm saying, saying this seems like a really good two period team, but it's not it doesn't always mean the third period is the worst. Sometimes they don't come out of the box. Sometimes the first period is you know, like that Edmonton game. You know they get let out all those goals in the first period, 
looking like it's going to be a really ugly game. And then all of a sudden they played really well in the second and third period, but it was a little too little too late. They were too much in the hole. But, you know, it's, so it's just, can we get a whole 60 out of these guys? That's what, uh, what, what we, it feels like we're missing. That's the MO right now. That's the consensus we're all talking about. The players, uh, uh, Larson has been quoted in the dress room as saying basically the same thing. So, and it shows in the, in the data, you know, it, they were talking about it on route again during the game. When I watched it on playback about second period is either, it's either an adjustment period that works for them or it doesn't work. And then the game goes South. It just doesn't matter. You know, it's just, it's a tough bind. Got to need 60. Really need 60 against, uh, you know, you can't take any opponent too lightly and they've got a really bad San Jose Sharks team uh, need to win that. And, uh, and hopefully uh, when this comes out, this will be probably coming out right after the Sharks game. So hopefully when we're back on here, we'll have uh, some good news on that one. But, uh, you know, the the game, the game after Vancouver, they hit the road for a while. Uh, although I, with some teams, I'd worry, oh, wow, you're going to be on a road trip. This, this team seems to, again, as we saw, you know, in, in, in previous years, you know, they seem to do maybe a little better on the road than at home, strangely. But we got the Blackhawks and then uh, a little stint in Canada, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal before they come back home. So uh, some uh, every game's important, but uh, some 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 challenges up there coming up. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's look over at the the standings too. So you know, so they, yeah, they're a bubble team still, uh, but that was nice seeing all those points uh, as we record this to, as of tonight. They have nineteen. Uh, the Ducks. Kind of figure they're on a three-game losing streak. It's figuring they were going to come back down to earth. Uh, Canucks, who we're going to talk about a little bit with Paul. They're no, they're not. You know, maybe they're not quite as gangbusters as they were like a couple weeks ago, but they're still looking great. Vegas, Vegas up on top. Vancouver at second. L.A. Kings third. Not too far behind, actually. Uh, in respectively, twenty-eight points, twenty-seven points, twenty-five points, and then you get a little drop off. Kraken, Ducks, Flames, all you know within a point of each other cracking 19 ducks 18 flames 17 and then a little drop off from the perplexing uh the poor or mediocre edmonton oilers although they've been they were winning some games but they lost their last two so they, they're still struggling with stuff and then the sharks are just oh god they're a mess um so it, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how this is turning out a lot of hockey left but how, what do you think in jim of how how the other teams are looking in the division well, I mean, we're blown away, I think, for sure. But it is starting to relax a little bit and settle in. Um, I agree with everything you said. Um, and that schedule coming up, we, you know, we've already said we're kind of picking up where we left off. We're a road team, I just want to say. Uh, and that schedule, it doesn't look too bad on paper, you know, technically. Um, but you don't know. I mean, it's just like the San Jose thing coming up. It, they just there's so much parity in the league it, it just one night you can get beat knocked off i mean they've done their damage in what three wins but they've been wins against obviously better clubs um i don't know i just i i would have figured by the end of november we would have our situation figured out and we'd be nestled in where we feel comfortable and you know it just feel kind of eh, like not even 500 hockey but bubble wild card which is weird to me but that's where we're at. Um, yeah, technically, so much, they're the second wild card as we speak. Yeah, about. yeah. And that's fine. But just don't drop and try to get up into that top three of that Pacific at best, please. Um, so, you know, and 
with so one of the things besides you know all of our categories that we we pay attention to and things like this uh, as far as team categories we we've talked about this last time the power play is solid it, it's seventh in the league it's it's if anything it's going up slowly from there the pk is still brutal 29th in the league at 72 percent um goals four is way down at 28 uh 28th position at 265 that needs to bounce up uh, goals against is in the caution area it's still high it's in the bottom eighth of the league um shots so these categories you know our five on five blade just needs to get better i mean way better for sure if we're going to start winning games in regulation all this stuff um as far as team stats that's all that really needs to be said players or let's move over to the attendees um so our our, our dual core of tenders uh grew and joey started out pretty good you could rely on you know equal performance out of both of them for the first 10 games i would say the last 10 it's kind of changed they both fallen a bit and so the numbers aren't that grand you know joey's working on a 901 and grew's working on an 885 and you know these numbers got to be better and then a lot of people will throw that back on the d when you look at the d numbers over there and the yellow caution but still these got to be better uh and the coaching staff knows that uh but we need Better five-on-five five play. Um, one other thing is, is we also, as a team, we have anywhere from one to three games more games played than anybody else in the division. So we've got to watch out on those games at hand that other teams have on us for points gathering here. Um, as far as uh, guys I've been impressed with in the last, oh, at least since the last episode we did, and maybe even 10 days, I like what I'm seeing out of Ole and uh, Borgen especially in their sacrifice and blocking shots. It's looking rather well. They've solidified a nice three, four combo there. Winnie uh, is, is really looking strong, much stronger on, on puck possession and the just shooting and just running the show. And then Maddie finally getting going is, is a positive sign with the whole first line stepping up actually is. And you know, what really kind of got that going is after the uh, injury adjustments, like we talked and seeing Tan of, being when he came back, being put in the second line position, which kind of caught me off guard. Like, whoa, second line, you know, because we talked, he's like a third, fourth liner guy his entire career, but it worked. He's playing some of the best hockey I've seen since he come up, and it's made that second line, you know, totally valid. It always was, but now it's made it interchangeable, kind of nice. Um, and then the third line is always the third line. You can't, there's no complaints there, right? I mean, they score. They do what they're supposed to. You can rely on them. They don't dip much at all. And then the fourth line has been a bit quiet, although Yamo, you know, Yamamoto has been great there. And Cartier's a bit quiet, and so is Belly. Belly's doing his job, but I am expecting some more dingers out of Cartier. I'm a little concerned on that. His hustle's there. He's doing his job, but he's just not producing. But the Yamamoto, like I said, that night he came out against the Islanders, just kind of like was very noticeable. So all in all, that's where we're at. And it, it all equals up to pretty average. Um, I would just like to see the team t uh, toughen up for sure in situations. Well, like you're saying, guys who are starting off very slow, we're starting to see them. You just all yeah. the guys you just men named because early on, it, it seemed like it was the Schwartz, McCann, Bjorkstrand show. Right. And they'd done a bit, you know, obviously done right. a lot of assists. 
And well, what, what are the rest of these guys doing? And, you know, we were saying, obviously, Maddie was really quiet and, you know, not having a good year when, when no. non-existent and some of these other guys. And then you even have some guys like you, we didn't talk about Tolvi. Like, I'm just looking at points. He's kind of yeah. quietly there. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of goals, but not list. Yeah. And, you know, he's still in the middle there. So we're starting to see a little evening out of absolutely something important. Right. I was just concerned more about guys like Maddie because, you know, we had some injury issues that were throwing the lines off. We adjusted for that. Then when guys came back, some players were still quiet, like Matty, but now he's finally starting to go, and that whole first line is. Because you can throw ebbs into that equation as well. He was quiet. You know, he finally got a second and third just recently. So that's a huge sign. You know, it's when you're down at 2.46 uh, goals a game, no, 6.5 a game, you know, when those guys start coming back and finally producing and get it up in the three range, okay, now you can talk about, you know, regulation wins. And that's important. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Alexiak. Let's look also at the D, you know, Dunn and Larson are, are what they are. And Alexiak, we're starting to see some yeah. more great play. How do you feel uh, Dumoulin's fitting in? Okay. We touched on this a couple, uh, you know, yeah. early yeah, since, on. Since, yeah. Since then, how do you feeling about it? Um, I... There was a stint there. I I totally for a five six Schultz and Dooley, uh, you know Dumoulin combo. This is totally what you expect. I mean, he's he's got a couple goals. I think um, he's playing okay. I'm sure you can nitpick any when you ISO on any player, but particularly defenseman in a five six pair role, and you're going to find bobbles here and there. But you can do that on uh, the first set and the second as well. I see it all the time when a two D get caught behind the net and what have you. But Doomy's doing okay. I was watching him this last game. You know, the key on a defenseman is, you know, generally when you build is you have an, a puck moving D and a defensive defenseman. Um, so you do, you know, when you're in the defensive mode, you you both got to fetch in each corner and then you got to get support and second support from your center and so on. Um, the key is, is on the breakout. Like, how are you handling that pressure? Then what are you doing for that first little push outlet pass? Is it going to your puck moving D? Is it going to your center? What is it doing? Um, it's the key is, is panic. Can you handle that short compression of time with physical contact and not overreact and not make a bonehead move? And I haven't really seen much of that. So he's doing his five, six role pretty darn good. Yeah. I saw that during the Edmonton game. I zeroed in on him. This is great games when where we're sitting, you know, yes. kind of watch a guy a little more closely. Yep. And, and you're right. I mean, he makes those things that maybe, is it, aren't going to get noticed or I, you know, Forslund will something will bring things up, you know, when there's a good stop maybe by the D, but a lot of it, you know, everybody's focused on, you know, getting the puck up and you know, exactly. whatever, offensive stuff. So looking at the D guys is sometimes fascinating. And even though they were getting their butts kicked because of the first period, he, uh, there were at least a couple of plays. I saw him shut Connor McDavid down. Like he was, Oh guy. yeah one of them and totally thwarted like McDavid's kind of on his way and who was in his way was doomy. So, you know, it, it's those sort of unsung hero moments. Right. Well, that's, you know what, that is his game, even though he's, he's a vet of however many years I can't remember, but he, his strongest defensive asset is backing in on two on ones, three on twos, uh, pushing outside, uh, perfect gap control and throw him. He that's his strongest part of his game versus uh, cleaning house on the paint and or uh, you know breaking out or what have you. He's always been known to play the gap pretty darn good on the come down of the, some of the best players in the league. So that's a huge asset without even really knowing about it. 
All right. Well, now it's time to dive a little deeper into the Vancouver Canucks world. Uh, we're bringing back our buddy who we had uh, on last year, Paul Brownlow, who knows many things uh, about the Canucks. Uh, you know, Paul, you've been a player uh, yourself, but also a longtime uh, Canucks ticket uh, season ticket goer and, and and follower, and obviously you follow the Kraken as well. So. It's, this is great to have you on here uh, to kind of see things from both angles. But uh, Paul, Paul, have you have you been to some Canucks games in person yet so far? Yeah, I've been to a couple. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I had to. Uh, I, I couldn't make the the season opener opener against uh, Edmonton, where Edmonton uh, had a little fell a little far behind, eight to one. Um, that, I think a it little. was the be- beginning <laughs> beginning of their woes, and uh, uh, my uh, seatmates up there told me it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so, so I've gone a couple times. I went um, against uh, against Dallas, which was really actually uh, a couple weeks ago, where Canucks won two zero. Um, that had uh, a very uh, playoff in- uh, playoff intensity at the time that each team had, like, I think, one or two losses, and and it was uh, really buttoned down hockey. It really reminded me a lot, actually of game seven between the Kraken and uh and Dallas in Dallas uh last spring which I was fortunate to go to um just if you recall that game was extremely intense very you know kind of not a lot of room given and kind of knew that all it was just going to take one goal to make the difference in the game and um and and there were not a lot of mistakes and 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 it was uh high speed on both teams the other of course was uh last Saturday uh, against the uh against the Kraken. Uh, oh, you were at that yeah. game. Okay, yeah. great. Well, now, now you have a lot of perspective. That was a great game. What a great game, you, just for any hockey fan. Final was 4-3 to three on that one. Uh, it was close. I mean, the shots were, you know, 26-24 to 24 in favor of the Kraken. Pretty pretty even there. Um, it, it felt like, I know Jim and I have talked about this a little bit. We, we sometimes feel like even if the Kraken are up by a couple of goals, we don't always feel tons of confidence it still is this gnawing nervousness uh and well-founded i mean obviously it was maybe a minute or so left uh canucks made it four to three kraken ended up holding on but uh it, it was a great game could have gone either way you know uh, kraken with uh, another road win they've been looking a little better on the road but they won uh in vancouver but you know we're as we're recording this right before thanksgiving we uh, of course have a canucks cracking game coming up in seattle canucks have a chance at some revenge from the other night i i kind of want to start maybe just kind of getting your overall vibe of the team of the canucks that is this year uh what maybe we can expect i mean a lot of us saw on tv but obviously you know a lot of a lot of fans are going to get to see them in person for the first time this year and uh yeah, they seem to be a surprise to to a lot of people. I think to to me and Jim to some degree. It's still early in the season, but man, these guys have you know have top three four uh, record so far in the whole NHL. So, I, I didn't particularly see that, but there are a lot of changes that you and I were talking about uh, before we recorded. So let's, let's talk about that. Where that team's, how far they've yeah. come, how you foresee them coming uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah. So um, and and just aside from. Uh... My perspective on Saturday's game, as you might expect, is a little bit different. And I saw a tired Vancouver team who's who's basically played uh, no two games in the same city all month. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and and I think it showed. I think that there were, uh, but I thought the Kraken, the Kraken took advantage of the mistakes, and I thought that was a really good. Uh, it was really good to see. Although, you know, as you said, they almost gave up the game in the last ten seconds with 
I mean, there was a goal and and JT Miller got the puck on net with four, six seconds left. And then again with with about uh, two seconds left and and it was pretty darn close. Um, so, the, but the change, so yes, uh, I think th there's been a ton of change in Vancouver um, that uh, kind of has been under the radar a lot. And, and, and specifically, and that, that started um really uh nearly two years ago when when uh jim benning was fired and um brought in, in, in as a well also um travis green was also fired as coach and brought they brought in bruce boudreau before they hired the management team so you know bruce uh bruce immediately turned things uh, around uh that season although he didn't then then the um then the new management team with jim rutherford and and uh patrick alvin uh were hired uh and uh Boudreau was not their coach so they made another change to talk it right uh it was and when you think about it it's kind of a bit of a backwards hiring where the gm you know the, the GM and, and uh, president of hockey operations were hired after the coach, which usually they like to pick their guy. Um, what they did is really last year and, and over the last year and 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 uh, was kind of evaluate the talent, evaluate the the hockey operations, and which had been very stripped down probably over the last six or seven years, uh, and, and certainly after uh, um, Trevor Linden left as as uh, president of hockey operations. He actually uh, there was a power struggle. He wanted a full rebuild. Uh, uh, Francisco Acalini didn't want that. The um, uh, the owner, uh, and so what we saw was something. You know, the team was kind of trying to always trying to make that last that last move to get into the playoffs and and be and be relevant. Um, uh, the new management team said, "No, this is not the right way to go. We've built championships in Pittsburgh, uh, and what they did is they moved the AHL team to uh, from Utica to Abbotsford, which really helps uh, the to be able to instruct and coach talent. They changed the entire coaching uh, staff where they've uh, and and they also focus more on development. the The old management team was rushing players up, but players like Jared McCann who." was forced to to play you know top six minutes as a as a 19 year old and he wasn't ready for it and he had attitude problems and eventually bounced around the league and actually was not um really particularly relevant until he ended up in seattle which is fantastic for, you know, for the kraken it's, it's uh, exciting to see but but so so there's been real culture change uh they traded captain bo horvat last uh last uh january right at the trading deadline and it seems to uh that was a, a very uh it's kind of very controversial but uh because of the cap uh corner that that um jim benning had kind of forced it, uh, the canucks into they had to make a decision between jt miller and and uh bo horvat they chose jt miller not necessarily the popular um you know the, the popular uh selection but at, in in retrospect is actually absolutely the right uh, were vancouver right fans split on that did some vancouver oh. fans were they angry oh absolutely absolutely i think they were less angry after bo horvat when he got to new york islanders said he was glad to get out of vancouver and 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 uh other things um although he wasn't booed when he returned last uh last uh week he did repay the favor by having the game winning minus um but uh uh but you mentioned so, they kept JT Miller just to stay on that point. Yeah, so he yeah. obviously saw a very good player, 
but arguably a bit polarizing, maybe more polarizing for non-Canucks fans. But, uh, you know, how, how have the Canucks fans embraced him? I, f- I felt for last year there was a little mixed feeling about yeah, him. Yeah, there was definitely mixed feelings because, you know, Bo was the kind of nice face of the franchise kind of guy and JT was getting up in everybody's face. But JT is very competitive and and wants to win. And I think that's what saw and there was a, this conflict i think in the locker room between kind of this you know soft touchy both Bo, Bo horvat thing and jt miller who and and ultimately turns out to be um you know elias patterson and gwen hughes who are all about wanting to win and and holding a high accountability and and uh you know i mean jt miller would get in people's faces and he'd not he'd rub people wrong and and you know sometimes you need that right and 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 i think so what we've seen is there's been this big changeover first in in culture and then there made you know as we all know the defense was you know very very suspect so they made some pretty big moves that they got a first round pick for horvat and turned that into philip ronick from from detroit so they've got a a top uh, right-handed defenseman. They brought in Ian Cole and Carson Susie, as as we all know from uh, Kraken. Um, Susie's out for about another six weeks with a broken ankle um, or, or lower body injury that he suffered in Montreal. Um, and and then they uh, have have been more cost controlled on the on the in the both in the you know bottom six and and also in the bottom pairing uh, and and made some more moves. Uh, have made more moves there and so um and so and tyler myers is now down and down in uh down third pairing only paying playing 15 minutes a night and creating a lot less chaos than he uh, has in the past uh thatcher demko was injured last year uh he's come back in vengeance you know for a while he had a nine you know 0.958 save percentage um uh, and uh, brought in Sergey Gonchar and uh, Adam Foote as the assistant coaches who really changed the defensive structure of the team. So, completely, you know, essentially, other than, and and uh, and then named Quinn Hughes as captain, and and Hughes has really stepped up uh, immensely. I mean, to the point where he's he, there's only two other players that have scored uh, 30 points in 20 games or less uh, in the NHL history, and he's one of them. And the other two are Bobby Orr and Al McGinnis. Right, so uh, so a lot of lot of change there, and 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 uh, defense. It brought in Sam Lafferty, uh, also who's um, you know and more more quickness and uh, Teddy Bluger from from the Golden Knights, and and uh, and then and then promoted some some players coming up. Nils Holmlander has been seeing some meaningful minutes now, and 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 uh, so they have uh, they kind of actually have a glut of wingers at this point with Anthony Villier and. And Connor Garland and and uh, but these guys are um, you know they're they're uh, so the the, the fix on defense means fewer fewer quality shots on goal fewer high danger everything's more from the outside uh, the team is playing with a lot more discipline they're not chasing the puck they're playing they're playing their zone in position and that enables uh, other uh, players to be able to um, uh, you know it, it gets a lot more north south uh, movement from J T Miller and, Pe- and Patterson and Kuzmenko. And and uh, they've also fixed the the penalty killing. The penalty killing, as you uh, may recall, was at a a league uh, a, a league record low at about sixty five percent last year. Uh, so that means you're you know giving up uh, one goal every three chances, which is uh, pretty bad. Uh, and, and and so they fixed that. So it's at about eighty percent. They've fixed the, um, the the power plays top three in the league, uh, and and um, they've. Uh, you know they've been scoring a ton of goals 
right? And and uh, and to the point where top three players, are, I mean, the top three scorers in the league are all Canucks, and um, and the fourth is not too far down below with uh, Hronik, which who has scored as much as um, has the same number of points as uh, um, uh, 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 you know, names uh, done. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it, well, who, well, interesting, uh, but interesting though. Even though there's a core there, you mentioned you know Gar Garland and you know some and obviously Pedersen's back and all, and Demko is is um, healthy yeah, and Besser's on fire. Besser is you know Brock Besser, Besser's yeah. got, got 13 goals. So. But you got a lot of new guys on there, and often even if that team's going to be good, sometimes all this newness takes a while for chemistry. It's such a chemistry driven sport. It's going, you know, so fast and everything. So amazing and quite impressive to me that all these new guys and all the new coaching staff, they're playing like it's in the middle of the season already. Well, part of what they did is they, they, they when, when, you know, the team shut down for the year after, after not making the playoffs, they said, a, a new off-season regimen, so that there were much more uh, higher expectations for for fitness coming into camp. Players started coming in to Vancouver one two weeks ahead and and working out on their on their own. Uh, and so the bar was also very much raised in terms of uh, readiness at the start of at the start of the year. You may not have looked at it in in preseason. In preseason, they didn't win many games. Uh, we saw a lot of. Uh, the depth players playing a lot of the HL players, and it was really about making the decisions about who was going to be in the bottom six. It was pretty clear who was going to be in the top six. Top six got very few minutes in in preseason. So, uh, you know, what, to summarize, why uh, you know the the big changes and why I was not entirely surprised to see, I mean, I'm surprised to see them on par with Vegas and Boston at this point in terms of of you know win percentage and and points. Uh, uh, points in the standings and the Rangers, uh, but uh, and clearly had a you know in, the, in that top tier. Uh, I was I'm a bit surprised that they're that high, but I expected them to make a pretty big jump based on the culture changes, the the the, the accountability and the work ethic, and 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 um, Rick Tockett's done a great job with that. And then also understanding they've got a great core and they've got two two top forwards with with JT Miller and, and Elias Pettersson. They have arguably who's, you know, the best defenseman in the league this year at, at Quinn Hughes and, and Thatcher Demko has been playing lights out and they did solve backup goaltending by bringing in Casey to Smith. So they have a very capable guy who can take minutes for Demko. So Demko is not going to get overplayed. Um, in fact, in fact, I expect to see to Smith in Seattle on Friday. Uh, given given the current schedule. Okay, interesting. So, Jim, so, you re is this all going to make you change your pick, uh, your your vision of your early season picks on the Pacific Division standings? Well, probably me and many, actually. It was nice oh, yeah. to get that full detail from you, Paul, because you and I had a run-in last night at Climate Pledge, and we hadn't seen each other for a while. And it was one of the first questions I asked you. I thought, you know, is this sustainable in your mind? Because in mine... It wasn't, you know, technically after looking at what I look at as opposed to you. Um, and I think many people probably felt that way. Um, but you've answered a lot of questions that I have keyed up here. Uh, I'm just going to review a few. Um, I think, you know, the thing that surprises me the most is, you know, that franchise in the last three years has been in a bit of turmoil and you've explained everything that's gone on. And most, most, clubs don't respond like that in a short amount of time, you know, three different coaches, technically different owners or different GMs and things like this, different assistant coaches. And 
you know, when you see the numbers up front, the most impressive thing to me right now is where they are in the division and in the West overall. But a plus 32 is pretty, pretty insane right now. Uh, I was quite impressed with that. I um, mean, the goals for at uh, 4.11 and goals against a 2.4, that's first and second in the league right now. Um, uh, the, your regulation and wins is in first place with 13 straight up. I mean, that that's something you want on paper right there. Um, your power plays lights out. Your PK is still a little bit, you know, down, but I know that's workable. Yeah. Uh, um, and of course, you know, the big three, Hughes, Miller, and Pedersen. It's funny because I really keyed in like a lot of people on the Miller situation last year. And, you know, there was just a lot of disgruntled fans and, um, there must be a lot of fans probably eating crow right now about that whole situation. Uh, you know, cause he's really, he's a huge player right now. And then of course, uh, Besser, he had his, you know, he mm -hmm. was trade talk rumor big time. I mean, I remember Boston was even talking about looking at him and here he is 13 goals. So all the guys that were not doing well and, and not appreciated by the fans are totally stepping up. And of course, Pedersen's doing his thing. Hughes is playing that new contract money and showing it. Um, Demko, like you said, like we all know, he's healthy at 212 average, fifth in the league, 929 save percentage, second in the league. Um, there's what's going on right there. Now, I'm just going to ask you straight up, even though you gave me a ton of detail or us a ton mm -hmm. of detail. Yeah. You've had three coaches technically in the last three years um, or a little over three. And we know Green got run out of town and we know Boudreaux was great while he was there and when he got let go people were upset about that and it wasn't and then, done in a very nice way either. no it wasn't and, and then talk it steps in and everybody's like okay here's just another one right including me because uh, when uh, he was myself too yeah because when <laughs> he was available with in crack and talk back in the early days i was like man eh, I, I don't i don't need rick talking for some reason that was just me in general but you I know agree. between him between him and the assistants and so on and so forth and the culture change and everything, how much you, you've heard the numbers, you've heard the players' performances, how much is Talkit and his staff uh, responsible for a lot of this, you think? Uh, you know, I think it's a combination. I think it's, uh, you know, when I look at it, I mean, I think Talkit and his staff, I think having foot and Gonchar is, is great, you know, and, and then have the best goalie coach in, in the league with Ian Clark, who's been there for yeah. forever. Uh, but I think, I think, Talkit is a player's coach, and I think that helps a lot. But I think what helps even more is I, I'll go back to the uh, Rutherford and Alvin get looking and, and and reviewing the personnel and getting the right kind of players in and yep. build and and building the culture, having the right kind of coach to build the culture, and also have the right players making right. that making that difficult decision between JT Miller and and Bo Horvat. Right? right. And with that was the unpopular decision. But uh, it turns out that was absolutely the right decision. You know, it, uh, Miller had come off of a 99 point year, got his his eight million dollar year contract, uh, was down off a little bit last year. But he's right up there again this year. Right. With yeah. with 29 points in, in 19 game or 18 games. So, uh, or, you know, so um, uh, I th so I think talk it has a big impact but talk it couldn't do it by himself and i think when we look and i had the same skepticism about talk as you and the same thing about you know uh as him as a potential choice for the uh the kraken is that um he uh you know that he has the support with the management team as well right so he's getting the players he's getting his kind of players he's getting and and uh and the culture is is uh, a lot stronger
Right. Uh, so, right. so like Chris introduced the, you know, where we, where we were on predictions coming in. I'm sure we all did our predictions, including you. Uh, and I imagine you had yours higher than ours on the Canucks. Um, I had the Canucks down there below Calgary even, and we all know Calgary's not doing too great either. Um, and oh. I had them both, I had them both below Seattle. What so, about Edmonton? You know, right? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> well, we we're not even going to talk about that because we're all blown oh, away. Yeah, we're, we're all wrong on that one. So, so I I'm still surprised, and I and I did ask you on sustainability, and you were very positive about it. I, I was encouraged by all your, your facts here. I I just I I see them dropping for sure, but maybe not much. But I'm really surprised still to this moment. I think the risks is, are, I mean, they have had some injuries and I think there's some risks in, in, uh, in health and still defensive depth. I mean, looking at bringing back Ethan Bear as soon as he's, he's well, uh, or, and potentially making another move. There's, there's, uh, have an abundance of wingers, uh, tough to move at their contracts in, in, in the flat cap this year. Yeah. But, uh, I think there's still more moves to be made. I think everybody's uh, surprised as to, to the degree that they've had success. And it's very difficult. I mean, it, like I said, they've got, um, this is a particularly difficult month with uh, 15 games, um, eight of them on the road, and the homestands are uh, either one or two games. So that's that's really hard yeah. to deal with. you know. And again, this week, I mean, last night we hosted um, San Jose and then tomorrow night in, in Colorado before Seattle on Friday and San Jose again on Saturday and then yeah. back in Vancouver on Tuesday. So, you know, that's, a, 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 so, I mean, it gets much easier in March where they have uh, three weeks of, uh, you know, I think eight or nine straight games at home, right. Yeah. Where they're gone and they don't leave Vancouver for over three weeks. So, I mean, which, which means that, you know, and so, so to play as, as, they, as they have at this point, I think is, Pretty yeah. admirable. You know, they've been pretty tired the last couple of games against uh, Calgary and Seattle. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to watch a lot of the, uh, the you know, last night's game because I was uh, at the Kraken game, uh, which was uh, pretty fun. Finished in Coug fashion, though. With, oh, uh, that was weird, wasn't it? Oh, well, you know, everybody had those Cougar cats, and so they Cougged it. They blew the lead and, and lost in overtime, which Holy. is what the Cougars do. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I have to say that because I'm a Husky. That stab. <laughs> I'm a Husky, you know. That's a, I know that. You um, know. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, it should be good. I mean, and Kraken, we, you know, we don't know where, you know, they, they're okay, but they don't seem to play. Jim and I have comment, commented, you know, that can they play a full great 60 minutes? And you kind of need to against this Canucks team, at least right now. So be- I, I think so, because I think, you know, I mean, and I do have to, to wrap up here in a minute, but they, but they, um, you know, what I saw on Saturday was I saw a team that was a bit tired. I saw a team that when they wanted to play really well, we saw what they did the full game against Dallas. And that was the last two minutes, I mean, the last five minutes of the second period, last five minutes of the third period where they had, they you know, controlled the puck. Uh, you know, they had possession for probably a full two minutes before they scored. Uh, you know, the 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 in, in most of those cases. Um, uh, so I I think that uh, you know they had you know had a lot a lot of work this month. I think that they'll. I think that um, I, if I'm the Kraken, I think I I understand it that Vancouver. It was a great Kraken win. There's no. I'm not taking away anything from that. I think that that um, you know the Vancouver team that was playing a little bit earlier in the month, less fatigued, was and and had Carson Susi, for example, was um, uh, it was a little bit tougher. But uh, yeah, I expect a, I expect another good close game on Friday. Well, we really appreciate your insight, Paul, and um, and we'll have you 
you know, later on. Obviously, there are other Canuck games, yeah. things to talk about later in the season. But it's great to have you join us every now and then. Get a little uh, perspective of the of the team just a, up the road here. So, and it'll yeah. be always going to be good, exciting games. So, uh, with Canucks and Kraken. So, appreciate your insight, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Okay. Well, we'll chat next time. Thank you. Yeah. Later. All right. Great to have Paul on with us. Um, great insight there as always. And we'll, we'll have him back on before the end of the season, I'm sure. Um, so that about wraps up our episode today. Unless you got anything else, Jim. I'm glancing and, and I think we're good. <laughs> we're good. We got some good, good games coming up to talk about. And uh, for those of you who listen to us regularly, you notice we're on a little more often now. We're not waiting the whole two weeks, you know, trying to get to maybe about... Oh, in the in the eight to ten day range. So uh so we'll be back on soon. Remember, folks, buy our t-shirts. They are flying. In fact, the Dunn and Larson shirts, I think I gotta double check, but I believe all we've got left is XLs. Now we may end up reprinting those, but we had a I, I should have mentioned earlier, these are a limited edition here, at least so far they are. So uh, I think we only have XLs uh, left in that. The, all of our mediums and, and larges went away. But uh, we still have some Kraken Fancast T-shirts. You can wear that with pride. They're a good-looking shirt. So go on our website, seattlekrakenfancast.com. Click on the shop link, and you'll be brought to our T-shirt page. Um, and uh, also, as always, uh, stay in touch with us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, we're at Cast Kraken on Twitter, uh, Twitter X, whatever. I keep saying it should call it X, I guess, or X Twitter, whatever. So uh, we're on there. Remember, our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and our own website again, which is SeattleKrakenFanCast.com. Uh, we also thank you all, for those of you who are uh, participating in our Patreon financial support platform. Very much appreciated uh, to help us keep doing what we're doing please check out patreon.com slash fancast. And uh, if you can give any there, we are very, very grateful. So, all right. You might have noticed uh, Nathan Gunderson wasn't with us again, but we'll get Nathan back. No worries. He's his, not only is Nathan playing hockey and his son's playing hockey. So he's got, he's juggling a lot on his schedule. Uh, so uh, we can totally understand, but hopefully we'll have our buddy back soon. But for now, for Jim Cockrell and our wonderful producer, Jay Middleton, I'm Chris Porter. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go crack it.